Hello, hello, this is Ken. Welcome to TWDS Podcast. The episode today is a little bit special and it's a little different from what I've brought to you so far. I meet up with a friend, Hadia, and we talk about their black experience here in Seattle. In the greater scheme of things, this episode could have been a whole podcast series by itself. But I felt like it was very important to bring a story like this at the beginning of my journey. I first met Hadia in the tech scene in Seattle. She worked for various teaching or employment organizations with a focus on bringing technology to kids or underserved areas or populations that are underserved. She also has been very involved in several professional organizations in this area. Hadia and I became friends and through the pandemic, Uh, She became a source of information on self-care for me and always had the best takes on what was going on, especially around the social unrest. I always felt like after engaging with her, the world didn't seem that much on fire anymore. And I've been really being interested to bring this perspective to you. The goal of the episode was originally to talk about the black experience living in Seattle or the general Pacific Northwest, PNW like we like to call it here. And I had this vision of the story of this uber-liberal place that markets itself as a haven for all things progressive, right? But our conversation turned visceral pretty quickly. We still discussed the black experience in Seattle, and we still discussed the black experience in general. Like, I like to remind everybody, the black experience is not a monolith, and therefore it's just the experience of two people coming together to tell a story. I think a lot of black folks will find this story relatable i mean not the ones in atlanta though because we tear atlanta a whole new one because idea had sort of a funny (laughs) interaction there and beyond that another thing that makes this episode interesting to me is just the unique outlook i feel like idea brings to the conversation we talk about mental health we talk about the current political climate the effect of protests in our lives and how we are processing this. And we also give it our best shot to imagine ideas or ways this can be resolved. At the bottom of each of my podcasts, there is a link or a way to message me and leave me a voice note or all of our social platform links. I would appreciate any resource you contribute to this conversation because I feel like it's important and I feel like we will probably have a follow-up to it. So, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Thank you for tuning in. You've lived in a few places. I think when we were talking earlier, you mentioned France. You go to Barbados often. Um, You talked about New York. You talked about Atlanta, Denver, and Seattle. And I just wanted a highlight of maybe a few of those places in your adult life. So I know, for instance, you were in Atlanta and uh, Denver and Seattle as an adult. So tell me, what was the black experience like in these cities? I was looking forward to living in Atlanta because I said, hey, it's a black city. And I experienced a lot of culture shock being there because it was the first place I've been in the U.S. where every kind of black person was present doing every kind of thing. Being from Barbados, you see that all the time, but not here. And 
what I didn't like, it was like living in social media in real life. Everybody seemed to be pretending to be something they weren't or telling me how I should dress. And they were like, why don't you wear makeup? Why don't you wear heels? I'm like, I'm going to McDonald's. It's not that serious. You know what I mean? Or I was trying to freelance and they were saying, well, seeing as how we're both for the culture, can't you like hook me up? No, like I have a product. So I really didn't like the whole crabs in the barrel dynamic of Atlanta and I had to go. Yeah. Plus I was followed home by a white policeman from off the freeway. He followed me for like 30 minutes to my block and I had to pull into my neighbor's driveway as he pulled in behind me. What was terrifying about this scenario, this white woman was sitting there behind a school bus. So again, early morning looking at this happening she didn't say a word it was a terrifying experience and the fact that that happened in front of other people that said nothing i gotta go like the south is not a place for me to moving in denver denver is a very interesting dynamic people don't think black people are there but there's a lot of black people in denver which i really appreciate it's not for me not because of anything having to do with the black experience it's just i'm not a bar and beer kind of girl yeah right their country bars are on point, though. I will tell you that. If you want a good line dance, Denver has it for you. <laughs> hey, But Denver, as far as the black experience, there's a lot of people who think they're liberal or woke in the white corporate sphere that are just unaware of the unknown unknowns. And I find that a lot here as well. Hmm. Actually, later we have a different segment that talks strictly about corporate America. But before we start to talk corporate, I really just wanted to get a feel for what your experience has been like in Seattle or the east side. Because for those who don't know, I am located in Shoreline, Washington, which is slightly north of Seattle, 10 blocks up from the city line. You live in the east side, which is Bellevue, on the other side of Lake Washington. And those two areas may come off as the same to everybody who hears about our area. You know, like how most cities have larger metropolitans. It's the same here, but the vibe is very different between both cities. And I think it would be really interesting just to talk about the dynamics on the east side and also the dynamics of being black in the greater Seattle area. The dynamic is just way, way different right especially because we have a lot of different languages on the east side i will say tacoma seattle has a lot of different ways to inhabit the black experience which i appreciate right versus atlanta where they really try to force you into some sort of archetype of blackness Mm -hmm. here you really can find your tribe is what i appreciate about it so they have a lot of black arts they have a lot of black everything honestly Mm -hmm. that you can find that i like here it's actually a very open ground i lived in baltimore before i moved here and the thing that shocked the hell out of me when i got to seattle was the collective this group of black young professionals just getting together and like just rocking it isn't it amazing it was really mind-blowing and it's almost like it feels so good to be part of the black community here because of scarcity like Mm -hmm. this bridges it forms creativity forms pockets of things that are like super unique and like Mm -hmm. very 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 centric but i feel like it also creates opposite side to it which is like there is that where you find your tribe and you have a lot of people to rock with and then there's the also the other side which is 
on the day to day, maybe it's a little. I feel almost hard to be in this area. In what way? Um, because you're, it's almost living in a country on its own. I feel like the PNWU should be called like United Nations of Cascadia or something, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> like here, people have moved here and lived here for a long time. So this place breeds an identity that is nothing. Oh, have you heard? the lo- There's a, oh my goodness. There's a, I don't want to call it slang, but it's almost a different language where you get some of the old older locals speak it's wild like the south side has its own language and it's amazing to me yeah i think for me though if i didn't have school in barbados right or i even went to elementary school down there for a little while and i don't know at what point this happened i've never equated here with like a black community i've never missed a black community here Outside of the fact that my sister and myself and my cousin were like the only black kids in our elementary school in Denver where we missed culture. When I don't get it, eh, I'll be in Barbados soon. You know what I mean? Like I never... You have like a pause and then... Right. It's fine. Mm. Or even I feel like a lot of the culture here is like hip hop driven and I love it. But if you ever see me in a club and rap comes on, like I don't know what to do. I'm going to find a drink. Like it's not like Afrobeat saved my social life on a real level because before that I don't know what to do. My hips don't move to this beat at all. Right. Right. So. <laughs> so so you kind of have like a different background with ways or black people kind of congregate together, right? Stereotypically, but what I like about here is I'm finding a lot more what we used to call like blacks or off-kilter blacks or um, artistic or like just different kinds of offshoots of what was stereotypically black Mm -hmm. right which I really really enjoy there was um, Alex and uh, some people made that whole offshoot of the collective where they were going on hikes and stuff oh yeah yeah the camp collective right how dope was that and Hadia don't camp (laughs) but (laughs) black people don't go in the wilderness it's not safe but here it is a group of black people got together and camp collective you know what i mean and i love seattle for that and i i also love seattle because of that as soon as i arrived here i think it it started to feel home very fast Mm -hmm. because of that you just saw in my backyard um (laughs) chopping wood wood. what is that oh my goodness i'm so proud of you i'm so impressed i can't even explain how impressed i am yeah that's it's literally something that i absolutely love but like here it just it creates i don't know how to explain it but just this freedom to kind of explore your blackness as it stands and whichever side you want to add to it just sort of freedom i really like that about this place for sure i think what it also is highlighting is we've all had this narrative to ourselves of what it means to be black right and i think because pacific northwest is not somewhere that let me not say a lot of black people because there are black locals here right? <laughs> shout out to tacoma right um that We really have to like break that narrative of what our blackness looks like and just find out like what makes us feel whole and happy and contented, satisfied, whatever, what have you. Right. And understand that that is the definition of being black anywhere we are. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think 
being really um, free within yourself to yeah. discover the things you want to discover, trying things you want to try and understanding like whatever that is you're still black that does not have a bearing on how black you are or this is not a comparison from anybody about anybody's beliefs or how they view you like you are a black human being right you know what i mean no matter where you are a space you take up so i think that's a very interesting dynamic that we get to discover here in the pacific northwest absolutely and i rock with that but the flip side of that is that you stick out like a star thumb where um Shoreline, Washington. <laughs> yeah. So there are only two places I've ever felt like that in the whole world. Mm-hmm. And it's Seattle and Stockholm. Oh, well. <laughs> right? Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> like, Stockholm is very diverse and they have, they call themselves, they pride themselves in like being an international city, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're traveling through, you're going from like Oslo and walk into a train, you see yourself and you see this like, beautiful dark shade and then everything out outside of you is just like super shiny (laughs) (laughs) and like in in a good way right but 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 it kind of hits you like oh i'm different like yeah and that's actually one one of my biggest gripes around here is that sometimes i really just want to go somewhere and just be really incognito i feel that i can relate but i've realized that it's not only like a skin tone thing it takes a while to assimilate because it's like posture is how we carry ourselves but i understand what you mean when i moved to medina i found myself making a point to introduce myself to the neighbors say hi be extra friendly when i'm a friendly person i'm not that friendly and then again when I moved to Clyde Hill, the same thing. Because if I come home at 2 a.m., like I want my neighbors to be aware. I want them to relax. It's not even about a relaxed thing every day. And it's not only about me. My worst fear is when black people get hurt and doing accidental dumb shit that white people get away with all the time. So we have like teenagers on the block or whatever. What if their black friend rings a doorbell at 2 a.m.? Like the wrong doorbell at 2 a.m.? Yeah. If I'm nice and seen as a black person in the neighborhood that you know is your neighbor, then maybe in the split seconds, like the two seconds, maybe they could belong around here. Maybe this isn't such an outlier. Anything that gives anybody pause around any other black person that makes them act on their second thought rather than their first thought is why I do the things I do. Right. Which is reassuring and stressful all at the same time. I shouldn't have to. Yeah, there's there's a way you have to move to call people into like normalizing. Mm-hmm. I hate to use that word because that's what everybody uses on social media to sound smart. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but make it known that your presence is not uh, threatening or right. It's especially for me, like big right, no. <laughs> black guy walking around. Mm-hmm. I walk into a room. And I'll try to zero down on the sound. I am feeling, even if I'm not able to hear, mm-hmm. I can see people's chest movement respond to my presence, right? Right. <laughs> it's really hard. And being able to see a black person taking a walk down the street, like a normal human being, right? Yeah. All these things that like regular people do, it helps another person relax just a little bit, right? Or see, like, it is okay. <laughs> it's okay to be in Bellevue Square Park on a Tuesday. But you know, like, these little things matter. And you were talking about that book that you're reading about trauma in the body, right? Yeah. And all those little tiny things, like your heart rate goes up, 
anxiety impacts you and the way you carry yourself and the way you sleep. All of these things, there's a reason that the diseases that black people tend to be plagued with can be traced back to stress. Earlier, when you were talking about Denver, you were talking about also well-meaning people who ended up portraying a different energy. And I wanted to leave some time to talk about that, talk about dismantling systems. There's a lot of things I want to talk about. But first, let's talk a little bit about being black in a non-predominantly black area and the dynamics that are at play at work. It's a very interesting dynamic with energy and fitting into spaces or in Seattle, I've noticed a lot of tokenism. A couple of the places I've worked with or associated with, I've been there for like a day or two and all of a sudden I'm in front of all their media, like all of them. Thanks guys. Like I'm great that like I'm your diversity, right? That's super great, I guess. Um, or how you get a lot of lip service and coddling sort of, which seems to swing the pendulum in the opposite direction where I'm like, this might be racist too. You know what? You are, you're literally entering the meat of this conversation for me. Really? Yes. Because I have a sense that people are very well versed here with everything that has to do with racism as a whole. Mm. And by, what makes you say that? But by verse, I mean like language. Yes. People can tell you about systemic oppression. They can tell you about police brutality. They can talk about ways they want to change the community and engage. They actually even can talk to you about reform. They can talk to you about the bills that are <laughs> out. Like you get all of these really, 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 really engaging language. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes you're in those spaces and you wonder when the energy doesn't feel right when it's put to those things, it also if it makes the adverse effect. effect. Right. Because it's and it stresses out people on both sides. So I've met a lot of people, white people specifically, who say they don't want to they feel guilty for being white. They don't want to be made to feel guilty for being white. And yes, a lot of that is the algorithms of social media and blah 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 right and fear-mongering but i like to step away and understand that that is their feelings are valid right and trying to figure out what is making them feel this way right because we all have to come to the table right. and i would say i uh, worked for code fellows when i first got here and the way they handled diversity and inclusion is one of the best things i've seen since i've been here and it wasn't necessarily uh they were very forward with it but they let it simply be part of their everyday consciousness and what i mean when i say that is i heard something that somebody said where it was like just try to make sure that you are aware of the people advancing in the scenario and being conscious of anybody who might being left behind right so checking in with yourself and did everybody get that does anybody need any further explanation or because yes it's a racial thing and it's an equity thing and it's a accessibility thing but that accessibility thing is also for like neurodivergent people right and talking to people about how these things like little things little changes in their everyday lives make a bigger impact than we're doing diversity inclusion exercises today or you know what i mean like something 
big and demonstrative and because that's not how consciousness is. I think people also forget the human aspect, right? Because when you're at work, the things that make you feel included or seen are very, very small things, right? I heard a lot of people when dealing with the protests, when their bosses were saying, you know, I've not necessarily having conversations with them about it, but I've been seeing what's on the news, just a check-in, right? Because people want to work. People want to get on with their lives, right? Right. But I think it does a lot more damage to feel ignored than not. Because I remember the woman I worked with, like the protests were happening. And then she was like, one day, randomly talking about the police or even attacking white people now, like some white person got hurt in Bellevue. And I was just like, oh, so that's what you want to talk to me about? Great. I'm glad you're like on board now, right? Yeah, you could have just like... not said anything. So diversity is very important. Racial uh, awareness is very important. I think we make the changes a lot bigger than they need to be. If there was a bill that was voted today that addressed financial income for people who are of color, for instance, mm -hmm. that would not have the same society impact, I feel, as those small micro changes in maybe starting first in workplaces, right? Because most people congregate there mm -hmm. um, and doing things in that space. I mean, money is important, yes, but, you know, it's it's almost like a struggle or a fight to, to get to change the minds, right? And the way you change the minds is by doing things that are a little subtle and, like, very minute. Like, like dismantling systems may work someday well yes dismant the question of dismantling systems i think one of the things that affects the black community is the uh disinformation of said systems right so i think if we educated black people more and earlier like in high school like this is x y and z this is how it works it would be highly impactful right i think what happens now is there is there's no concrete method and that is by design the institutions were built against us mm -hmm. right so yes little things matter and emotional things matter on a person to person and interpersonal basis but i think other larger changes can have a great impact as well actually very poignant so the work in order to get to a place of more equality is not necessarily just rooted in what must be done for systems and what must be done at the bigger scale, but also, I mean, and this could be at scale too, but we are literally addressing mental health, like mm -hmm. the trauma that is created from being black in certain spaces, yes. right? And that was a little bit of the message. It's like, after this, I am going to have to look for resources that do exactly that and if they're not that's that's an opportunity right here right like what wh what is out there that allows people to just feel better in their own skin and i mean i'm projecting mm -hmm. back into myself be able to walk into the the shoreline um, trader joe's or something and and feel good because you're going to get bumped produce or something right? <laughs> right and not feel that stress of oh my god i just stepped in there all here i am again in like my full strong black menacing 
angry ass looking. <laughs> Although I'm like the cheesiest dude. I don't think you're really angry. <laughs> and this is exactly why I think your point is so key, right? Because you start a queue, right? You you go into a space, you you see people react to you. Mm-hmm. That reaction you've learned that that's kind of what fear looks like. <laughs> right. That's that's what anxiety looks like. You know, that's what aggression looks like. Right. Maybe giving tools to black folks to just and, and and I don't even think it's just a US thing. Like this is literally like um it's it's gonna have to be like an international effort or it, something. It, like no, it is. no for real. But I think that's why what I'm learning is there's two sides to that dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Where we need to be able to be ourselves in different spaces, other spaces deemed other, right? Mm-hmm. Where people might not necessarily be accustomed to seeing us. But in order for us to feel comfortable and self-assured in those spaces, other spaces where we feel completely at home and catered to are very necessary, right? Because that's what feeds us, yeah. right? And if we're not fed, if we don't feel whole, if we're not, if all these things, if our souls aren't glowing and glistening from within, what, you know yeah. what I mean? It's easier to chip away at us when we go into other spaces. And that's why I think... Huh. Spaces that cater to the black experience exclusively mm-hmm. are so necessary, right? Because even though, again, even though I live on the east side or even though I do things that are, tend to be more counterculture or bring me outside of what is traditionally the black experience or black spaces, I always have like a home base to go to and recharge. Right. Even if that home base is just me by myself surrounded by things that feed me right right i think it's really important that we encourage people to find the things that feed them and to go there and to withdraw there and to recharge there regardless of what that looks like right i I think if a lot of inner work was done around this it it changes dynamics we walk Mm -hmm. into those places and we're more confident we know how to deal with those looks because we have our safe heavens and places that are for us but we also that confidence i think can teach other people you don't have to carry yourself in a certain way when you're around us Mm -hmm. because you know and and i think it's like an energy that can feed each other but that plus everything else that's on the ballot (laughs) you know like we can do all of that, but if we don't stop being in places where we are, you know, demeaned on the mind, victims of... <laughs> right, victims you of know. all the things, right? Yeah, where yeah. things chip away and uh, degrade us a little bit. And you know what? It, it's... I think the microaggressions are the worst, right? Mm-hmm. And I think here is really good for a microaggression. Not only is it good for a microaggression, it's good for a gaslit microaggression, because people claim to be so woke, right? And they're like, well, you can't be racist if, or now you're blowing out of proportion, or all these little things that you have to deal with. Wild here. I think it will go a long way for people not to take everything so personally in the sense of if all this stuff is going on in the media and I don't feel like talking to white people today, like maybe let me just have this one. Like maybe not make this about you. Maybe maybe I'm trying to uh, recharge so that I don't mistake you for the white people in the news. Mm-hmm. Right? Or being able to be self-aware enough to have those boundaries. On the other side of that, being self-aware enough to understand that 
people have those boundaries. It's a lot. It's a lot all the time. And, yeah. You know, we go to therapy and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if why the guys in therapy. Listen, no, but- <laughs> I have a white therapist, and I didn't start for a long time because I was waiting for a black therapist, and I am so happy that my white therapist is as compassionate as she is, so life comes at you fast. <laughs> Yo, shout out to my therapist, too. Right? <laughs> Shout out to their therapist as well. I, I don't know, man, but like, I don't know. This is a parenthesis, but a black therapist freaking like scares the living life out of me. Why? I have no idea. I just, I don't know what it is. Like, you think your black therapist is going to tell you to like get it together? My black friend is not that serious. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I get that from my mom and my sister, right? Like, they're always like, Come on, hurry it up. Yeah. No, same, understand. I understand 100%. Yeah, there's that whole dynamics. Anyways, wow, we touched on a lot of good stuff. Um, and you you also spoke about what's on the news. There's so many things on the news. To what are you referring? You're talking about Roe versus Wade. No, you're no. talking about COVID. You're talking about the protests. You're talking about... I, I'm talking about protests specifically because it seems to be like a whole thing. How do you feel when you see the news come out at the very end of a protest and they're showing all of these distractions that just happened from riots, right? And it seems to be like what some media try to focus on today. So i saying things I shouldn't say on a public podcast. Uh, Go for it. <laughs> forgive me for my phrasing. Honestly, I don't feel anything. Let me explain. Right. <laughs> Right. So when <laughs> another reason I'm in therapy. So <laughs> I'm thirty years old. Yes. And I moved to Colorado right after Columbine happened, right? Mm-hmm. So I went to school with at the beginning of the school shooting uh drills and all the other things, right? So that happened. I know people who died in like the uh Aurora shooting. I had family that died in 9-11. So I have like anxiety around not knowing where people are, Mm -hmm. right? And then Ferguson happened and just coming from two parents who are very well read, right? And very, and foreign, meaning that we were very well educated on where not to go and why and the politics and all the things, right? I am so overexposed to all the things not only am I unsurprised when things happen, right? Because like, knew about Rosewood and the KKK before high school, mm-hmm. right? So these things are not surprising to me. Also going to school in white neighborhoods, it is not nearly as surprising to me as it seems to be up to other people that white people don't get the same information we do. So I understand to a painful extent the dynamics of everything that are that's happening, right? when people are protesting for certain things that are actually impossible to attain through the legal system as it is today. We're not talking about whether or not you can gain justice. It's if the judge or the jury or whoever it is, is allowed to charge this person with this crime because, you know, of how the system is set up and the fury that is going to follow because the answer is no. You know what I mean? Like, I am aware of all these things. Does it hurt? any less no for me it's a lot more traumatic to realize that i expect this of the world that i live in right mm-hmm. or like me being followed home by a white police officer in atlanta is terrifying right but unsurprising right, right? especially when 
driving to Atlanta. I was in Tennessee, Appalachian. And I looked, stopped to get gas. I looked up and it was like floor to ceiling uh, Confederate flags. Like I know the country that I live in. So I think a big part of what the protests and all this like racial unrest, or however you want to phrase it, has impacted me, has really made be more intentional about turning inward and self-care because, mm-hmm. you know, like Ahmad Arbery got shot jogging, right? Yeah. Anywhere. People jog all the time. Y- you know what's so insane about that jogging incident? I did something very similar literally a week before that came out on the news. There used to be a, a CVS right across from um, the Safeway mm-hmm. and it was completely empty. It was hard to see where the signs were mm-hmm. and I was really curious and there was no like no blockade or anything. So I went in there as like a curiosity thing and came right back out and I saw the video online, like the security camera of the neighbor that watched him go in and out and I'm just like like in the moment like you're not thinking about wow i just did something that could cost me my life right Right. i mean you know it's an open space it's it's an unoccupied space like i do this all the time with everything in my neighborhood like if something is not you know it's not marked i'm curious like i want to know i'm pulling my phone out checking out the county map and and figuring things out and watching somebody die because of that that was so i don't know it, it rocked me so weirdly it was not that's the part that gets me where it's a lot of intersectionality of the trauma right, right. in the last couple of months because we're talking about um i think as a woman i found myself and like the current financial you know whatever whatever of america and millennials i find myself very much of the mind that i'm not gonna have kids till i can afford to have kids right like I'm going to be intentional about it. But right. then you're talking about Roe versus Wade and fighting for the right to be able to have that choice. Right. And then you talk about where the um, mortality rates for black mothers sit. Right. Oh. So when you decide to have a kid, <laughs> you might die giving birth to said kid. Right? right. Or and then dealing with the fact that you might like it terrifies me to think of having a black son in this country right imagine you like blood sweat and tears into this child and then go to the park with their friends and just don't come home and not like we're not talking about teenager party we're talking about going a child going to the park with their friends like that's it yeah going to the target like there was a kid that was in like a walmart Mm. hit a bb in a walmart and they just showed up and shot him yeah it's one thing to have a conversation with your children about don't be here after dark or don't talk back to the cops and da da da. But like when the cops show up and shoot your kid on sight, like that is terrifying. It is. So I think a lot of the protests, like I, I am for it. I've donated to the causes that support them and make sure they have like resources, make sure they have lift rides and like all the things, but I cannot, I don't have the bandwidth to be at a protest i just don't have it in me so i make a point to not only uh, put my energy into self-care make it easier for people to do their own self-care right or make it easier for them to access the the resources to have use do perform self-care or if i see something i'm like oh maybe somebody can use this and by the way, you're freaking good at it. This is this is actually how we, I mean, 50% of how we ended to yeah. have the, having this conversation is that the, the the kind of stuff that you inform yourself with is, you know, 
is remarkable. I see them and I'm like, it's it's always, always, always pushing the envelope. Yeah, <laughs> you 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 say something and I'll be like, oh, I need to copy that into my notes. That's I, I think I think your message is literally systems first, very important, but inner work second, uh, very important, and acknowledging the nuances of this gigantic problem and pissing at it from very very interesting pers- perspectives uh which is not necessarily like what i think mainstream is focused on like we we are all acting as if you know if you went to the progressive website and you picked up all of the policies and if you knock them all of all out in, into laws everything is going to change and the world will be better and i but you know what too i've realized i do a lot of research into like neurodiversity and things like that mm-hmm. and trying to figure out why intelligent people who think they are well informed cannot seem to agree on the facts right and a lot of it is comes down to the way things are presented and i think that's a really big part about of us moving forward is giving information that really impacts people and really like they can consume it mm-hmm. right not everybody not everybody consumes information the same way not everybody it doesn't mean the same thing to people and just being really cognizant of that not everybody has the privilege of voting right right it's true but people have the privilege of donating right or like doing things or getting up and volunteering and making those things clear because a lot of the conversation is eh, my vote doesn't matter like i like how much impact can i make and really articulating to people like how their actions can impact their surroundings their neighborhood their lives right how their vote can have an impact how their dollar can have an impact things like that i think we live privileged life living up here right where we have like access to funds like all these things Mm -hmm. right where we have the privilege of like of finding out how we can actually have a good impact and i think this is a problem across the board with anything having to do with like social unrest or racism or anything where yes we see and yes we care but what does that mean right right and i think that's what leads to people being not disinterested but apathetic yes i care but what's next but what does that mean in 2020 right and i think being comfortable with your limitations your boundaries and still being able to do that being able to affect change in a positive way in a way that makes you comfortable and keeps you comfortable is it's where we should be or where we should be striving to get mm-hmm. wow and that a beauty <laughs> you <laughs> Look, speak so well listen a listen, complete we, sentence for me oh, i'm so <laughs> proud of myself listen we, we we're gonna have to do this again <laughs> This is not, it's not the end. Listen, you have the secret sauce. Just feed me. I'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure of that. Thank you so, so much. You're very, very welcome. Oh my God. This was, oh. I had fun.